0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. So last week we kicked off a series called Culture Defined, as we felt stirred in our hearts to intentionally define the atmosphere and environment that God has called us to, to create in our city, in our neighborhood. You know, as kingdom people, we're culture creators. Actually, every human, if you're, if you, if you're human at all, you, you create culture wherever you go. There's an environment that surrounds you. But as kingdom people, we're called to be intentional about the environment that we create. As we, as we walk into rooms, as, we, as God calls us to the marketplace, in our households, the, 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 the environments and atmospheres that we create, we're, we're called to be intentional in that. And so as a church, we also have that mandate. And so we've been uh, defining uh, the values of our church in an effort to define the culture of our church last week we talked about the presence of God um, and, an aspect of the, the gospel that's central to who we are as a church and this morning I have the privilege and the honor of introducing my brother to you all the way from Las Vegas Nevada his name is Jeremy Bosma and we do have uh, different last names after my, my, my mother passed away when I was seven um, a couple years after that, my, my dad remarried an amazing woman of God who had three kids of her own. So we were like the Brady Bunch. My dad had four kids. Uh, my stepmom had three kids. They came together. And this morning, I believe, is a testament, a testimony of God's rest- restorative, redemptive power to bring two families together. And of us seven kids, we, do, we don't come from a line of ministers, of pastors, of ministry people at all. But of us, of us seven kids, five of us went on to get our uh, ministry credentials, which I think is a testament of just the presence of God in our home and, and how my parents cultivated that atmosphere in our home. And so I felt prompted to invite him to come and speak into this series. Him and his family planted a church in Las Vegas, Nevada uh, two and a half years ago, Avenue Church, and God has just been using that church to reach their, their city, reach their neighborhood in phenomenal ways. And so I'm really excited to introduce to you Jeremy Boswell. Will you, will you welcome him.
1: My goodness, did y'all hear? I'm his favorite brother. Did y'all hear that? I thought that's what I heard. And uh, do me a favor turn your neighbor and ask him, Have you lost weight? All right, ask him real quick, Have you lost weight? You look good today. Have you lost weight? Have you come on? The answer is always yes. Okay, keep going. Well, again, my name is Jeremy, and um, I'm so honored to be here today. I'm honored. Uh, to travel all the way, two planes to uh, Ames, Iowa. And, uh, and so, can we just give? I love your pastors. I love your team. I love my brothers. And uh, they are, that's what they are, brothers. And uh, I've stopped a long time ago saying, Step Brothers. I just want to call them my brother. And so, will you guys give uh, your pastors a standing ovation? Will you give my hand clap today? I love what they're doing. Come on, let's honor them today. Tanya, Kayla, come on. Awesome. And, it, and it's hard being Tanya's favorite brother in law, but you know, somebody's got to do it. And uh, again, my name is Jeremy, and uh, I've been married 12 years to my beautiful wife. 12 years ago, she proposed to me, and I said, Yes, baby, come on, somebody. I'm kidding, joking, totally kidding. If you're single in this place, you, what you do is you get on the knee and you, show, you go, will you, and you show the ring to confuse them, distract them, and go, marry me. She just looks at the ring and goes, yes, and that's how I have a beautiful wife. And so we've been married 12 years. I have a 7-year-old. He's downstairs at Lightpoint Kids, and uh, he's, he's loving Iowa. He loves the open fields. He loves grass. Isn't that amazing? Like, we have turf at home, okay? I don't mow my turf. I just blow it, right? Just get a broom and sweep my turf. And so, but also, uh, married 12 years, I have a uh, one-year-old puppy as well, and so we have a golden doodle, very bougie, and so we have a dog. I didn't want the dog, but you know, I'm living by faith as well, and so I'm excited to be here today. Uh, Pastor Drew did say we started a church two and a half years ago in the city of Las Vegas, and how many know it's been dubbed Sin City? And uh, it's been dubbed a city that people come to, we've heard many different things on the plane, uh, when people are like, I can't wait to party, I can't wait to sin, but how many know it's not sin city, it's grace city, that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, and how many know that we have a, a mission field in our city, and I always tell people, oh, you live in sin city? Uh-uh, hold up, it's your people from your city come to my city and make it a sin city. All right, I love my city, just like pastors Drew and Tony and, and the rest of the team, they love Ames, Iowa. God has placed us here. God has placed us there for a very important reason. So I'm excited for that. Um, And Vegas is unique. We get to do things that maybe other churches don't. Like we have slot machines in the lobby to collect tithes and offerings. All right. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Totally joking. Calm down. I'm just kidding, sir. Totally kidding. All right. And so I'm excited what God is doing. And Vegas is busy. Vegas is busy. It's transient. People come and go. Uh, There's lots of money on the strip, all those different things. But can I tell you as a testimony that our city is hungry for the supernatural? That our our city is hungry for the Holy Spirit? They're hungry for the presence of God? That We're seeing lives change every single Sunday. And I love what we get to do. Um, I got to tell you a little disclaimer, though. I'm loud and proud, all right? The reason why is because I'm hard of hearing. I wear a hearing aid in this year, and my nieces love to pop it out. Come on. I'm deafened this year, and so I think for the past two days, Lucy's been on this side saying stuff to me. I have no idea what she is saying. This is just for looks, and the reason why is because when I was 18 months old, I had spinal meningitis. I was 18 months old, and I was in a coma for three days, but come on, somebody like my savior, I rose again on the third day. I came too, baby. Come on. And here's the thing. In the 80s, they don't check nothing. They are just happy I was alive. And so from 18 months old till I was three, they had no idea I was hard of hearing. Come on. We have good parents, don't we? Right? Had no idea I was hard of hearing. So I got yelled at for stuff. Right? Take out the trash. I'm like, what the heck? You know? And finally, when I was three years old, I got a hearing aid. I wore all kinds of different kinds of hearing aids. How many of them in the 80s, hearing aids were the size of this thing? All right? I just carry it around. Talk to the box. Right? And, uh, and it's been powerful what God is doing. And I want to hear this, not to toot my own horn, but God called us into the ministry, called me to the ministry, I remember having a divine moment with the Holy Spirit at a retreat, and all of a sudden God spoke to me and said, I want you to be a pastor. And I looked at Tanya's dad and I said, that pastors aren't cool. I don't want to be a pastor. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden God spoke to me and God said, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be, I'm calling you to the ministry. And I said to God, God, I can't speak. God, I have a hearing problem. God won't be able to hear people. God, can I even do it? I felt like I was Moses, right? I have a stuttering problem. I'm messed up, jacked up. We have a terrible past. And God said, don't let your past define your present, and don't let your present define your future. How many know God has a plan for your life? That we have all the excuses in the world, but God's still going to use you. Can I get an amen right there? Can I get an amen right there? And so, um, I love the vibe and the culture of your church. I love that you're in a culture-defined series. See, culture really means vibe, and a vibe is the atmosphere that you get from a church. So I love the atmosphere here. I love what I feel here. I love that you're hungry for God. Come on, somebody, right? I love that that all that you're doing. I love worship. I love everything about this church. But a culture or vibe of a church can either complement the vision or it can eat the vision for dinner. Culture can eat vision for dinner if we're not careful. Culture is whatever we do or what we allow. I'm so grateful for Pastors Drew and Tony. I'm so grateful for his vision for this church, the values of this church, but also we're talking about culture today. We're talking about culture today. That vibes or culture complements the vision, then guess what? We're a united church. And, you know, let me tell you, can I give you a little disclaimer today? The enemy's not afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. A church united in the same spirit with the same purpose, intent on bringing the Holy Spirit into our city and getting people saved. And that's a good place to say amen. Now, remember, I'm hard of hearing. So if I don't hear you, I think something's wrong with me. And come on, sister, come on. Right? If I can't hear you, now if you shout louder, I'm going to go quicker and we can be out here by lunch. All right? And, uh, and if you shout louder, I'll think I'm healed. I'm healed, right? It'll be amazing. So I'm glad you guys are here today. I am the strange brother. Loud and excited. You're like, "Well, oh, he's real charismatic. No, he can't hear, honey. Come on. <laughs> what? Do me a favor. Raise your hand real quick, all right? I want us to be bold today. Raise your hand real quick if you're single, all right? Raise your hand if you're single. Raise, raise, raise up. Raise up. Look at, Look up. Look, up. look around. Look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. This is what you got to work with, all right? Come on, somebody. All right? Put your hand down. Raise your hand if you're married. Married. Okay, I heard a few gals. Put your hand back down, all right? Gentlemen. Let me help you all here this morning. All right, I'm going to try it over. But most married people are like. Come on, somebody, all right? So, man, I need you to go by. Woo, woo, right? Like like arm candy. Okay, ready? Are you ready for this? Okay, single people. Yep, yep. All right, ready you to have your married? Woo, <laughs> right? All right, praise God. I just healed your marriage right there. And now, the reason why I asked that is because once upon a time, I was single. I was single. Hard to believe, I know. But I was single, and uh, I think most people asked me out. I didn't hear them. Come on, somebody. We go with me, huh? What? God protected me. Oh, everything for a reason. And I remember, um, I took my, uh, I, I, I went to the church where I began to work out. My wife was a college pastor there, and uh, I was a youth pastor. If you can't tell, and uh, and so when I saw her, I knew that she was going to be my wife. I just knew it. I just knew she was going to be my wife. Now it's not. It doesn't happen every time. I believe there's opportunity. I believe God does a work and a miracle. Uh, but when I met her, I just knew before we started dating, my wife had an opportunity to bring a plus one to a wedding that she was a part of. And so I remember she had a plus one invite. Now, how many know plus one's not a date? Come on, somebody, right? Plus one's not a commitment. Plus one is just like, hey, will you come with me so I'm not alone at this wedding? And so I heard she had this. And guess what, folks? She did not invite me, huh? She was not at all in alignment with the presence of God or the things of God in her life. I remember, I think back then, MySpace might have just started, right? MySpace. I remember MySpace, all right? MySpace might have just started. I remember looking at my top five. She wasn't even in my top five. I took her out that night. And I would look at her pictures, all the different things that people were posting on their MySpace. And I felt super left out. I said, she had a plus one, but she invited no one. She had a plus one, but she invited no one. Now, I got to ask you today. There are a lot of times that we begin to ask, Why was I not invited? Now, I remember if you're single in this place, a lot of times the questions I gotta tell you never stop, all right? Uh, When are you gonna start dating, right? Come on, somebody, right? And then you date somebody, When are you gonna get married? Like, calm down, right? And after you get married, you think it's done, right? And then people go, When are you gonna have kids? You're like, Calm down, I got married for a month, right? And people get to ask the questions over and over again. And I remember, and this is for single people here today. I remember when I was single, and I began to say, "God, who's going to be my wife? God, who's 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 for my life?" I began to remember that. I began to look around. At everyone else getting married felt like everybody was getting married. Everybody was dating. Everybody had somebody. I was plus zero. Right? I go to I go to Hardee's all by myself. You know, and it felt like it felt like everybody but me. I remember asking myself, "Who's next?" Who's going to get married? who's going to get date, who's going to date? And, and, and all those different things. But then I begin to realize that when I stop looking at what others were doing, I, be, I begin to be content with myself, grow comfortable in just my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to flip the script on this today, that many of us that we found Jesus, Jesus found us, and, and we get plugged into a local church. but I want to flip the script today and to say that when we stop looking for the lost, we stop seeing the lost. When we stop asking, who's next in my life? Who is close to me but far from God? That they need a life-giving message of Jesus Christ. But when we stop asking that question is when we stop seeing opportunity. That's a good place to say amen right there, huh? Come on, I'm preaching good already. I'm in 10 minutes into this thing. And so culture, the culture today is who's next. But the title of my message today, this morning, is Plus One Benefits Everyone. Plus one benefits everyone. See, plus one isn't just a please bring a friend to church tactic. It's, it's part of the culture. It's who we are as Christ followers. In everything we do, we bring someone along with us. There's an old African proverb, all right, it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. And many times, that's how we are. I'm just going to do it by myself. I'm going to do ministry alone. I'm going to do life alone. It's safer that way. It's more comfortable that way. But it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. That's why groups are so powerful. That's why this community right here is so powerful. That's why instead of on Sunday morning, you say, you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm going to watch on live stream. No, I want you here in community. Why? Because we can go farther together. When I fall down, you can pick me up. When you fall down, I can pick you up. That there is power in community. So we're so glad you're here today that this is a church, I believe, that doesn't matter what you look like, what you smell like, what you dress like, who you are or where you've been. We're just glad that you're here. And Jesus had this perspective all throughout the Bible. I love that Jesus told his disciples, hey, we got to go out of our way. we got to go to Samaria. In Samaria, there's going to be a woman at the well. And so when he went to the well, he said, this is my plus one for today. And he told the disciples, go get something to eat. I'm a fast talker. Come on, somebody. He told the disciples, let's get something to eat. And so the disciples went into town, and Jesus said, I am here. I'm here to give you living water because you're hurt. You're broken. You need Jesus. Uh, Jesus even went to the city and he found a tax collector up in the tree and he stopped the parade. He stopped whatever he's doing. And he said, you know what, there's 99 here, but I'm going to look at the one. He says, hey, you, everyone hates you. Nobody likes you. You're taking their money. You're a tax collector. Why don't you come down from that tree and I'm going to go to your house. I'm inviting myself to your house for dinner. I love that about Jesus, all right. You feed me, I'm going to hang out with you. Because Jesus had a plus one. Jesus understood plus one benefits everyone. All throughout the Bible, Jesus left the 99. Do you know why? Because the 99, they're good. You're going to heaven. You made it. You got each other. Well, I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going to go after the one, the one. Who's the one in your life? Who's next in your life? And so I'm gonna, let's turn your Bibles today to Mark chapter 2 real quick. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Somebody was like, finally scripture today. All right, the real preacher's coming back next Sunday, I promise you. Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, or Mark chapter 2, excuse me, if you have your Bibles, get your Bibles out. If you have your phones, get your phones on a new version. If you have an Android, don't even worry about it. You're going to get frustrated because it's too slow. And you can follow on the Jumbotron. Let's go. Mark chapter 2. Tonight we're going to have fun, all right? Come back tonight, please. Tonight's going to be amazing. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, it says, this, a few days later, a few days later. Jesus, again, entered Seatown, town Because I'm even going to, pre, uh, pre, uh, Pastor Drew will let you know what keeper and I mean. But Seatown. town The people heard he had come home. There was such a large gathering, there was such, they gathered in such large numbers that no, there was no room left inside the house that Jesus was. Not even outside the door. He preached, amen. He preached the word to them. Verse 3, some men came. And Many of us, we've heard the scripture before, but I want to bring it to life today. It said some men came, that's what it simply says, some men came bringing him a paralyzed man. And it said it was carried by four of them. Now notice it didn't say five guys showed up at Jesus' door. The Bible says four guys plus one. Four guys plus one. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they went home, right? At least they tried. They're done. How many know it doesn't say that in God's word? How many do that when you pull up at the grocery store and the grocery line's way too long? You're like, not even worth it. Not even going to show up in this place. You pull up in a parking lot somewhere, right? Come on, raise your hand if that's you, all right? You pull up in the parking lot. There's no parking. Right, I'm out of here. I'm going home. This is done. But here's what I love about these four guys. They didn't quit. They didn't stop. It says this. They could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they made it opening in the roof. Above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. Now, I don't know who had more faith, the four dudes or the guy in the mat, all right? The guy's like, I'm already a Christian, right? They put him down, ah, oh, Jesus! Jesus' like, what, right? I'd be terrified. And he said to the, and then, okay, so they, they placed him at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, to some of the teachers of the law, they're sitting there, they're thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? Why does Jesus get to say that? He's blaspheming. He's telling false prophecy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. You know what, God? God knows what you're thinking about me right now. I'm, I'm sensing the Holy Spirit right now. I'm kidding, all right? But Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. He knows your utmost thoughts, He knows your desires. He knows exactly what we're thinking. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, supernaturally healed, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone as they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Come on, church. Plus one benefits everyone. And here's what I love. It said he got up in front of everybody else. Come on. When when, when God changes one life, everyone's going to see it. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this word. Father, thank you for the revelation of what you're doing inside this church. Father, I thank you that this church is literally going to explode through your presence, through your power, and make an impact in this city. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout it. Amen. 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 Now, do me a favor, real quick. There's two types of people in this room, all right? You ready for this? Two types of people in this room. There's project people. It's non-project people. Raise your hand if you're project people, right? You love a good project. Come on, dudes, where you at? Raise your hand up high, right? You got a project, you got a project today, right? Somebody, somebody had to bring you to church from your project, all right? You're, you're project people. Put your hand up again. Project people, Pastor Drew, look around. We need you on the team. Come on. We need you helping. We need you organizing people like me, all right? Put your hand up, raise your hand if you're non-project people. And here's what non-project people are: you start projects and you never finish them, all right? You have have projects all over the house. What's that? Well, I started it. I got bored. All right. ADD kicked in. Right. Non project people, where you at? You can't even get your hand up. All right. It's too too hard. Put your hand down. Listen to me. I want you to tell you this. And this is this. I want to make it super, super clear. Projects can be managed, but people must be loved. Projects can be managed. This is what we're going to do. This is our project, our event. This is what we're going to do, but people must be loved. People are not projects. People are not projects that have to fill a deadline. Because I read this in one book I was studying. It says we want their hangups, we want their weaknesses to conform to our timeline paradigm as if they were projects we manage and delivered. But when our mental date for them, comes and goes. It, they, they don't accept Jesus. They, go to, they don't go to church. They don't have life changed in their life. It says that we're tempted to mark them as incomplete, and we move on. Because they're a project. That so right now, God's dropping somebody in your mind, and you're going, ooh, were they a project? Or were they just somebody that I, I needed to love? Were they just somebody that I needed to say, can I pick you up? Can I connect with you before I correct you? Can I do life with you? That we're not to place a deadline On people. That we're going to continue to love. We're going to continue to invite. We're going to continue to keep going on. If you're here today, you know when and where your next step step is, and so do they. So do they. They just need to be loved. Whether it's a son, a daughter, a neighbor, a brother, a sister, uh, a friend, whatever it is, whoever they are, they just need to be loved. But for so many of us, we said, you know what, they didn't come on the 25th time or the 26th invite, bless you, on the 27th invite. They didn't come, so you know what, I dismiss, I quit, I give up. People are not projects to be managed. People are simply, simply to be loved. That We are not to place a deadline on people. But here's what's interesting in the Bible. Anytime you saw someone that was paralyzed or had an issue, back then they believed with all their heart that if you had an issue, if you had something wrong with you, if you had an outward issue, people would blame you for it. Okay, so you're paralyzed. Well, that's because you're living in sin. Oh, you're paralyzed. That's because your mom or your dad or somebody in your life, they committed sin, and they would mark people. They believed that sickness was a punishment for some hidden fault. That's why he never had a plus One, imagine never having a plus one invite because people thought there was something wrong with you. I'm here to tell you, church, if you're here for the very first time, I'm here to tell you there's nothing wrong with you according to Jesus Christ. That God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch your life. That there's nothing wrong about you. We want to look at what's right about you. You want to look at God's plan and call over your life. And so here's the dudes. I love the four dudes. They had a plus one mentality. They understood plus one would benefit everyone. And so when they took the paralyzed man, they all knew that they had a burden to help their friend. They had a burden. All they knew was I just have to get him to Jesus. Sometimes we think, okay, I need to know the Bible, right? I need to know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I need to know God's word, the exegetical, all those different things. I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. You just got to get him to this place. You just got to get him to Light Point Church. You got to get him under Pastor Drew or Pastor Tony's message. You got to get him under the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just got to get him here. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she said, all I got to do is if I could just get through the crowd, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed, I will be touched. And when he touched her, when she touched him, also Jesus said, what great power came from me? He's full of a room, full of people. And he was all about the one. All about the one. So how do we become a plus one church? Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Number nine, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Mark chapter 2 verse 2 it says they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. He preached the word to them. When everyone is welcome that means we embrace our mess. When everyone is welcome that doesn't mean we select. Have you ever had a party at your house and you invited tons of people and they all show up? You're like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. But then somebody else shows up that was not invited. Maybe they were a plus from someone else and you're like, who in the heck is that guy, right? Like, who brought that person? I, I know, I'm glad you're laughing because I got some real people in this room, right? And you're like, who in the heck invited that person? And all night you're like, they're a little strange, they're a little quirky. But by the end of the night, maybe you have a conversation with them. By the end of the night, maybe you, be, you begin to hear their story. And by the end of the night, they walked in a stranger, but they walked out a friend. Why? Because you get to hear their story. Don't you dare judge somebody's breakthrough until you know what they've been through. Let's hear their story. Let's get to know who they are, where they've come from, begin to understand. I'm not going to judge somebody. I'm going to love them because everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Yeah, I live in Las Vegas. We have some great churches in Vegas. They're large and uh, Thrive. We've got some life-giving churches in our, uh, in our city. And when we started Avenue Church two and a half years ago, um, it was amazing what God has done, just the growth that we've seen. And, uh, but we have people that come in, and they look around. And we're semi-portable, all right? I work out every Sunday, okay? We pull things in. I'm like, I'm like looking at your building going, God is so good, right? Can I stay here? Right? It's amazing. Like, where's your trailer, you know? And so awesome. And because uh, we set up everything, tear it all down, but people will come into our church and they'll look around and they go, I like it here. I'm like, that's so great. And we'll begin to connect with them and ask them questions. And they say, you know what, this church is great. The last church I came from was too big. It was too big. How many know when everyone is welcome, it doesn't matter the size of your church. When everyone is welcome, it doesn't matter if we get too big or too small. We're here to reach the one. Here's what I love. That, that, here's what happens. If you go from church to church looking for the perfect size to fit your Christianity, I promise you, you'll never find the perfect size. Because any church is too big if you're not connected. You go to a church with just five people, and if you don't connect with five people, it'll still be too big for you. Any church is too big unless you get connected, unless you find community. Imagine if they, went to the, if they, if they never went to the roof. And they went, oh, this house is too big. There's too many people here. We're done. Let's find another house with maybe Jesus, not Jesus, but maybe Jesus. We'll find some other guy, maybe pray for this dude. But how many know they knew what was inside the house? It wasn't the size. It was the source. And that's Jesus Christ. I'm preaching good. That was even in my notes. Come on. Write that down. Write that down. But the goal isn't having big church. Listen to me, everybody. Listen to me, Point. This church is going to grow. But the goal isn't to have a big church. The goal is to have big people. People with big hearts. People that say, you know what? Take my seat. Come on. You know what? I'm going to move towards the aisle so we can fill in every single area. You know what? I'm going to park in the street. I'm going to park at Starbucks, right? I'm going to Uber. Do you have Uber here? I'm going to Uber here. Come on, somebody. For God's praise, God's glory. Come on. Some of you just got offended, huh? How dare you? But maybe you have trouble accepting people with problems because we have more problems than anyone else. Or maybe you've been hurt by the local church. You've come into life point, paralyzed yourself. And I'm here to tell you God wants to use you. We have a man at our church. He's older than I am. He grew up in California, moved to Vegas. He's all tatted up. Um, terrible upbringing. Never been to church before. Kind of went to Catholic church a few times when he was a kid. Didn't want anything to do with God. But guess what? He joined our soccer team. Part of our soccer team, we invited him to church. Said there's a great church called Avenue. It's actually 45 minutes away. And he was like, what? Oh, sure, dude. He began to tell me his personal testimony that on Sunday morning when he came in, he was angry at his wife. He was an angry man, abusive verbally. But he walked into our church. They just got in a fight in the car. I know there's somebody here today, right? You're like, shut up. And they are like, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God's good all the time. And when he walked into the church, he was full of anger. Felt like he was going to be outcasted by the way he looked. And I was preaching a message in the book of James. And I said, the title of my message today is, you mad, bro? Talked about anger that morning. And all of a sudden he said he begins to just sweat, get hot. Cause he never felt the love of God before. He never felt the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, from his testimony, I began. To, I closed out service. I went to the back, and I accidentally intercepted him. I said, bro, how are you? So nice to meet you. How long have you been coming here? He's like, this is my first time. I got, I got to go. Something's wrong with me, right? Like he didn't know how to handle the presence of God. He gave his life to Jesus at Avenue Church. He now is part of my small group at Avenue Church. And the reason is, and here's, what, here's why I tell you the story. Because that man with the tattoos had a terrible upbringing. He's my number one evangelist. My number one evangelist, he's bringing in biker gangs. He's bringing in, all guys. I'm always like, who's that game banger? Did you bring him? That's so awesome. Come on. Bring more. Because you know why? He actually believes the Bible. He believes that if I bring someone to Jesus, their life's going to be radically changed. So why would I keep it to myself? So they had a plus one mentality. Plus one mentality. I got to keep going. Come on, somebody. So number one, everyone's welcome. Number two, people are worth it. People are so worth it. People are so worth it. People are worth the mess. People are worth the expense. People are worth the discomfort. People are so worth it. So I got to keep going. I'm going to go forever today, but uh, I need four guys. Where's the four strong guys? Anybody? Four strong dudes? Where you at? Come on. Raise your hand. We we pre-selected. Come on up here, pup dude. Come on, somebody. Right? Here we got another guy. All right. Come on up here, boys. They are swole. All right? Give it up for our men today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, come on. Come on. All right, pick a corner real quick. You on this corner, you on this corner, you on that corner, you on this corner. And here's what I want to picture a picture of you of Mark chapter 4. There's a paralyzed man. Mark chapter 2, thank you. This is still up there, huh? Mark chapter 2. Here's the thing about paralysis. Anytime you see in the Bible something wrong with someone, we can equate that to our spiritual. So many times paralysis means I'm numb. I don't feel anything anymore. I, I can't move. I, I depend on others. And we could be spiritually numb in our life. And so I'm going to do this real quick. All right, I trust you. All right? I trust y'all. All right? Hold on. And so I'm going to sit down because I've been preaching so good today. Come on, somebody. And so here's a paralyzed man. Now, the Bible said, "Then listen to me, if you can relate more to this than to this, I want you to understand the Bible did not say the paralyzed man was kicking and screaming and saying, don't give me to Jesus, put me down. I believe with all my heart that one morning the paralyzed guy said, will you help? Will you help me? I need help. And four guys said, we'll do whatever it takes. I got projects to do today, and I got stuff to do today, and I'm busy, and I got, and they said, we'll drop it all, we'll get you to Jesus so here's a picture I want to paint to you today. So i to grab a corner real quick, and on the count of three, you're going to lift me up very nicely. Like, like, if I get hurt, I'm suing you, all right? I'm kidding, brother. You, you owe me something, all right? So on the count of three, you're going to lift me up. Ready? One. Calm down. Two. Three. Let's go. Ready? 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 Oh, my goodness. Come on, somebody. I love this. I can do this all day. You guys good? All right? I'm not the skinny brother, by the way. All right? I'm a little bit bigger, okay? Don't swing me. And so here's the picture of this. Here's what I love. Plus one benefits everyone because someone who had no legs now has eight legs. Why are you shaking? <laughs> I'm not that heavy. Alright, I'm a buck twenty. Come on. Jesus' name. All right, put me back down real quick. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Okay, hold on. And so here's what I want you to pay a picture. Someone who had no legs now all of a sudden had eight legs. They were carrying him to Jesus, doing whatever it takes to get to Jesus. So, pull me back up again. Ready? One, two, three. Ready? Here we go. All right. A little higher. Come on. A little higher. Yeah, baby. All right. Go this way. Go this way a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Ready? Ready? Okay. Go this way. Go this way. We got room. We got stuff over here. Okay. Stop. I love this. I got, well, we, back up, back up. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Now, here's what I love. They took him across the city into the house. When they got to the house, they didn't quit. They didn't give up. Now guess what? It's not easy. Look at this guy right here. It's not easy. It's hard. It's It's difficult. When they got to the roof, I don't know what they did. I don't know if I was over his shoulder and they got him up there. And when they got to the roof, they began to break through the roof. When they broke through the roof, then they lowered him down at the feet of Jesus. I want you to see this picture today because this is not comfortable. This is not easy. This is something that they decided to do to benefit their plus one in their life. You guys doing good? All right, give it up for these guys real quick. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The paralyzed man, listen to me, church, the paralyzed man, he wasn't a project. He was someone to be loved. And here's the thing. Can I have that back real quick? I'm so sorry. Here's the thing. I'll hold it. Here's the thing about this map. But there's two things about this mat. For us, because of this mat, this mat represents maybe an open seat at your church. This mat represents a life source for people. And here's the thing. Many of us, we at one point, we were on this mat. Maybe someone said, hey, can I carry you to Jesus? Can can I tell you about a man who forgave all my sins and set me free? I'm here to tell you, church, that your generosity has paid for this mat. Your generosity made a way for someone to experience Jesus Christ. Sometimes here's what happens. When we stop looking, then we're going to stop seeing. And many of us, we have a mat in our life. We have a a light bulb. We have a saving device for those that are close to us but far from God. But the problem is sometimes, church, we go, you know what? I need to learn more about God. And you know what? I need to, you know, just get comfortable. And I need to just attend every week. And now something that becomes a life source now becomes your personal comfort. We say, God can't use me, or God's not going to use me, or what if they say no? What if they decline me? What if they don't want Jesus in their life? I want to encourage you today, don't get too comfortable. The kingdom depends on it. Here's what I love about God. If God wanted to, he could save Everybody. He could come down and heal the sick and do wonderful, powerful works. He could show up like a burning bush. He could send angels. But you know what God decides to do? God decides to use people. Because he loves people. And he wants to use you. That there's some gifts inside of you that could change a life. That when you stand at the door and you smile, that's life to somebody. When you put a chair out, when you move, when you give up your seat, that's life for somebody. When you go in the parking lot because it's too cold and you're waving cars in, what are you doing? That's life for somebody. When you give and you tie and you go over and beyond, that's life for somebody. Jesus moves at the speed of your generosity. It's life for somebody. We cannot get too comfortable. We cannot get too comfortable. I have a friend at our church gave his life to Jesus, joined our team. Now he oversees our setup team. Smart guy named Vassal. I said, Vassal, what brought you to our church? He said, I saw your church online. He said, I told Jesus that morning, I'm going to give church one more try. If, If it doesn't work, if I don't feel you, I'm never going back. Never going back to church. But we had a plus one culture. We had a plus one culture. He started asking in our church, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Not a project. But who's next to be reached in our life? See, verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven. Listen to me, church. I love this. I was reading in the Bible this week. I began to realize that Jesus forgave the one because he saw the faith of four. When Jesus saw their faith. He healed him. When Jesus saw what they did. It doesn't say who they were. It doesn't say they were pastors, preachers, or teachers, construction workers. It didn't say who they were, but Jesus said, you know what? They have you know what their faith was? We gotta get them here. We gotta get them. to the church. The greatest miracle in this story is the story isn't just a physical healing. I mean, I love, it I'm deaf. I want Jesus to heal my ears. I want Jesus to heal my ears. I want him to touch my body. The greatest miracle in the story isn't the physical healing. But Jesus said, Go, your sins are forgiven. You now know God. You don't know church. Now you know God. You're not finding freedom in Jesus' name. I'm going to close with the story today, and I'm completely done. Am I good? Am I okay? I'm completely done. I'm the crazy one. Come on, somebody. Come tonight. About a a year and a half ago, we went for a walk in our city, and uh, my wife and I and Levi were walking on a trail. Also, this dog came out of nowhere. Remember this? This dog came out of nowhere. Dog can started following us, and I'm not a dog person, all right? I have one now, right? But back then, I was not, I'm still not, but I wasn't a dog person. And so we're like, okay, go away, dog. And it was a cute old dog, and it was a big one. And, and we're like, okay, go away. And, and it kept following us. And the next thing you know, my wife's so concerned. She's like, where's this puppy come from? And it was an old dog, right? Where'd this doggie come from? we got to find where it goes. And then she, she said, she looked at the caller. The address was like two blocks away, right, in a whole other neighborhood. Uh, the address on the caller, she said, Jeremy, run home and get the truck. And I said, are you out of your mind, right? So I brisk jog home. It took me like 20 minutes, all right? Now, I got home got in the truck, got my inhaler, and then I drove back, and all of a sudden, my wife goes, let's put the dog in the back, in the bed of the truck, I said, okay, the dog was huge, alright, like it was welfare, wherever it came from, so I pulled the dog in, I got it in the back of the truck, my wife said, here's some water, I mean, she's like nursing this thing like it came back from war, alright, she's like, here's some water, my son's in the back, my son's like, can we keep it, I'm like, no, in Jesus' name, So we google the address, we go to the house, all of a sudden the lights are out in Vegas. Now I'm here to tell you, I don't know how it is in Ames, Iowa, but in Vegas, you just don't knock on somebody's house, right? You're like, hey, praise the Lord, you know? So we knocked on the door, no answer. Right? Knocked again, no answer. Looked at the windows, right? Like a creeper. I go, babe, they're gone, they're home. So let the dog out. Like, it's a neighborhood, I don't know. She's no, check the other house. Like, sure, you stay in the truck, all right? So I checked the other house, and the neighbor came out. And you know we're not a plus one city when the neighbor says, Oh, I don't even know who they are. I've lived here for two, three years. I said, Okay, we'll try the other neighbor. I knocked in the house. The other neighbor said, I just moved in, I have never met them. So we started calling the phone, it was a landline, Tried to text it, it was a landline. Also, my wife said, Let's take the dog home. I said, No, in Jesus' name. So we took the dog home. I put the I took it, see, I'm the man of the house. All right. I took a picture of the dog. I put the dog on Facebook, we had a community thing, I put it on nextdoor.com, all that, and finally I get a comment, and the comment, first comment was, that's my friend's dog, and also the friend messaged me, and he was like, you have my dog, and the way he wrote it, it was like, like, he was accusing me, like, you stole my dog, I was like, take your dog in Jesus' name, take it. I remember when he came to our house, we opened the front door, he had a beard all tatted up, and all of a sudden, he went, he went where's my dog? And I said, yell her name, and he said, Hallie, right? He said, Hallie, and tears were in his eyes, and the big old dog comes out of nowhere, and she runs to him, and it was like, and remember me, right? And we was like, and they embraced, he fell to his knees, he hugged her. I'm trying to, I'm like, whatever, dude, you know what I mean? Like, get your, get your dog out of here and he cried and he said, we found her. It was so emotional because the dog had a sister and the sister just recently died. And he had three little girls at home they were crying their eyes out because their dog was missing. After he took the dog and left, I mean, I'm I'm like trying not to cry. I'm almost in tears. My son goes, why can't we have a dog? I'm like, ah, you know. (laughs) And I began to realize with all my heart that the owner cried because what's What was once lost is now found. That my wife and I, Levi, we did whatever it took to get the dog back to the master. I'm here to tell you, church will you do whatever it takes to invite someone? Will you do whatever it takes to love people? Will you do whatever it takes to bring people back to the master? And that's Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today who's next? Who's my God opportunity? who's close to me that maybe I forgave, I forgot. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a granddaughter, husband, wife, spouse, whoever it may be. But will you bow our heads, close your eyes, I'm to pray with you real quick this morning. That Father, in the name of Jesus, God help us to have a plus one mentality. God help us to start asking today, who's next? And, Father, I thank you that when we start looking, we're gonna start seeing opportunities. Whether it's gonna be at the gas station, at the grocery store, at the movie theaters with the coworker. The Father, I pray we begin to hear the opportunity, the conversations. The Father, I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit, He's with us, He's in us, that He wants to do something with us and through us. And so Father, I pray today we partner with the Holy Spirit. Give us faces to see. Drop names in our spirit today. But God, I pray, give us God opportunities. Gives us the kind of opportunities that only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, we'll text them today. We'll go after them today. We're not going to correct them, we're just going to connect with them. We're going to do life with them. And so, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you that you are a plus one God, that you send your one and only Son to die for our sins, to set us free, and before you left this earth, Jesus, you said, go for. Go after the one. Leave the 99 and let's go to aim to Des Moines, to the United States, and to the rest of the world. Let's make an impact. With every head, body, eye closed, if you're here today, maybe you feel like you're that paradise guy. Maybe you feel like you're just numb. You feel like God's left you, forsaken you. You feel like he's not even going to speak to you. Why would he ever use you? Maybe you feel like you're deep in addiction, or sin, or old habits. Maybe you walked into this place today without any hope, without any joy, without any purpose. I'm here to tell you, can I pray a prayer with you that'll help you to take a step towards Jesus? The Bible says if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, am I gonna single you out? Am not gonna embarrass you? I just wanna ask you today, can I pray with you? We're all gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. But if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, You say, Pastor Jeremy, yes, that's me. I want want prayer today. Yes, I want to take a step. I'm going to ask you to join this church. I'm just asking you, will you accept Jesus today? Whether it's a recommitment, but if that is you, just put a hand up and put it right back down. That's all I want. Put a hand up and put it right back down. Yes, anyone else? Just up and right back down. I want to pray with you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. Say, thank you for dying on the cross. Say, thank you for paying for what I did. So today, I receive your forgiveness. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, be number one. Say, with all my heart, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Say, I now know who I am. Say, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everyone stand with me, please. We give God a clap of praise today? Come on, worship deep.
0: This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.